And I'm thankful for this this guy who tweeted and said I don't have that fire in my eye no more. That game right there was for him. That's what I do. I fool people wrong each and every night, and that's for him right there. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and today is the special episode with Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer. It was a fun time to catch up with him. It's been in the making for a while now, and within his his health is kind of been hit or miss uh, when he was diagnosed with cancer, and so we kind of just left the interview on the back burner for a while, but Jonathan helped us out and came over and gave us a small interview, which was a lot of fun. It gave us a chance to talk a lot about Taylor Jenkins, as well as these Grizzlies and what they're doing right now. Uh, we talk a lot about their ceiling, but also, you know, are they true title contenders? And so I think you'll really enjoy his take on the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies take on the Chicago Bulls today. It's a 2.30 central time game. It's an early one, but it is the Martin Luther King Jr. Day game. And it's one that the Grizzlies really need to win. It's not because it's a big game in itself, because it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because it's on TNT. It's really because the Grizzlies had an 11-game win streak. And then the Dallas Mavericks came in and punched the Grizzlies in the mouth. Okay, it happens. It was their eighth game in 12 days. And I know that's what a lot of people on Twitter have been talking a lot about. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know I've been preaching about how important this stretch of games was. And the fact that the Grizzlies won 11 of those in a row, 8 out of the 12 games in those 12 days, and they won 7 of them? Like, I was expecting just to be a game or two below 500 in those 8 games. Like, I would have been... I'd been fine with four and four in those eight games. I'd been fine with three and five. Like, that would have been the the best case scenario. Like, it's not that bad. And they end up winning seven of the eight. And now they get kind of back on a normal schedule, starting today with the Bulls. They are at home. And then they go against the Bucks Wednesday, Friday on the road against the Nuggets. So, little weird travel. It's not all West Coast. It's kind of the middle of the country, kind of West Coasty when you go out to the Nuggets in that thin air in Denver. And then they go visit the Mavericks on Sunday. So it still is a busy week when they're playing pretty much every other day. So it's going to be a big, big week. But they do get a couple days break after that Sunday game against the Mavericks. But we'll have a chance to talk a lot about that. But today's matchup with the Bulls is... Important for the simple fact that getting back on the winning ways. The Bulls are now, they're sliding a little bit. They've lost their last three, and it's something that this is the chance to get on a team when maybe they're hurt just a little bit. They're without Zach Levine, who has went underwent the MRI, and they're kind of checking out and find out exactly what's wrong with him. Uh, but it's been a scary situation for them. And also this Bulls team, they're very tough still, even without Zach Levine, but they're not as dynamic. So they're not really going to just run you off the court, per se, but they will be a very good team, and it will be very tough to beat them, even without their guys. But Lonzo Ball being out is one of the big key factors as well, because without him, their defense is hurt a little bit. 
And then Alex Caruso could be coming back from health and safety protocols. But if you've watched in the past, coming back after being in health and safety protocols, no matter how bad COVID was to you, it still affects you a little bit. So I don't expect him to be raring. But if he does, that's fine. I'm okay with him. We have our own better Alex Caruso. We have John Conchar. We have Jitty. And we'll unleash him if needed. But they're... uh. They're going to be without some guys, and they're very important on this key team, on their key run with the Chicago Bulls. But at the end of the day, they still do have DeMar DeRozan, who is a really good player in this league, and he can get to his spot, make shots. And I expect him to do that today, even against these Grizzlies, as well as Vucevic. But something to watch for the Grizzlies. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to match up against them. But they're also not sure exactly if they're going to start Steven Adams. Why didn't they start him last game? Was it due to matchups? Was it due to coming back first game after health and safety protocols? Was it due to simply just looking and saying, hey, we saw what Jaron is at the five. We saw how Brandon Clark has been playing with an undersized, you know, four guy who can be a little bit more athletic, more dynamic. Going a little bit smaller for these Grizzlies might be the best path. But you also have Kyle Anderson there. What do you do with him? Is he going to be your big four? Is he the guy that you come off the bench and you play him maybe next to Steven Adams and you have the old school style play who really has been very good and then play them alongside a, a guy like Tyus Jones who is the old school player, but it's not as dynamic. But if you're able to get him in the lane with that floater, it is money. So, There's a lot to watch, and I'm not sure the direction that these Grizzlies are going to go, but I think it's going to be intriguing to see exactly if they make the decision to go ahead and start running Steven Adams from the bench. Because as I said many a times, 25 minutes for Steven Adams is best case scenario. If we have Steven Adams coming off the bench for the future, that gives him his 25 minutes that we need. Plus, it does not allow him to be the last five minutes of the game, which a lot of times the Grizzlies try to go away from anyway. So giving him time, who's still going to run alongside Ja, and give him his normal minutes with Ja, because if you space it out and get him in early for a Jaron Jackson Jr., which they like to do and get Jaron in and out quicker, so maybe he's not in the game as long, which has actually helped for not allowing him to have as many fouls because he's not on the court for a long, extended period of time. So that's something to watch, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. But today is an early, early game, so make sure you tune in. There's a lot of kids out, as well as my kids are out, and so everybody is going to be raring for a day game. But it's a great sports day, but it's a great day as well, just to kind of sit back and celebrate, especially being from Memphis, and kind of see... Uh, the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and how cool and great it was and what he stood for. And so I know we celebrate it here, but now across the country as well as on TNT all day. So if you get a second, just make sure you take a chance and and watch a lot of the stories that are going to come from it because it was truly something that was different, but also something that was courageous. So I hope you will enjoy this day of of basketball as well as football tonight, but also take a step back and just really enjoy and see what the the exact day means. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into Jonathan Sharks, who will be explaining a lot about Taylor Jenkins, who he 
didn't exactly grow up with and wasn't best friends, but he was the guy playing on the opposite side in practice against Taylor Jenkins. He was the guy guarding Taylor Jenkins at their high school in practice, one-on-one against him. So he has a funny story about that. So make sure you listen in and make sure you continue to come back. We will have another show throughout the week this week, kind of giving you a little bit of reviewing the games that happened, but also previewing the games that are coming up because we owe the Dallas Mavericks. Enjoy. All right, today we have with us one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. He's someone that I've been after a long time trying to get on this podcast. He is part of The Ringer. He is Jonathan Sharks. What's up, man? It's high praise. I appreciate that. I don't know. Maybe you got to meet more people. That's all I can say to that. <laughs> <laughs> man, I've been following you for a long time, and uh, I actually told one of our uh, co-hosts at one of the other podcasts that we do that covers the entire NBA and I told him it was Jonathan Sharks, and he like you could see the eyes, like he's light up. You honestly, you have oh, a big wow. following. That's cool, man. I, I don't think you well, understand I that. that. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that very much. Uh, but but we, I wanted to bring you on for the simple fact that uh, you grew up a little bit, um, and I don't exactly know, so I'm gonna let you tell a bit about it. But you know Taylor Jenkins pretty well, so give us a little bit about Taylor Jenkins and how well you knew him, and kind of did you grow up with him? All that kind of backstory. Yeah, I mean, I grew, growing up would be priced to take it too far. So what what the deal was? We went to the same high school in Dallas. Cool. It's a private school. It's like eighty five kids a grade, so you know a lot of kids in different grades. It's a pretty small community. Yep. I was two years behind Taylor in high school. We both played for the basketball team, but we never played on the same team. So when I was a sophomore, he was a senior. He was on the varsity. I was on the JV. But we would like practice against each other during, you know, during the week. Right. So like JV versus varsity, a lot of, a lot of scrimmaging, JV versus varsity. And I would guard Taylor a lot just because we we're both, you know, it's fun at big men, not by the NBA context, right. but private school context. Sure, we're both big men. So I would like, It'd be one of those things we talk, we'd talk, obviously. And if I saw him somewhere, I'd be like, I know you. What's up, Taylor? Like, we'd, we'd talk probably like five minutes, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then we both happened to get into this industry. I got to know him a little better just because I'd always see him at, like, Summer League. Because I knew him when he was, shoot, I, when I first started in, as a reporter, I think he was still with the Hawks at that point. Okay. So he'd be, like, coaching their Summer League team with Bud. Obviously, then he goes with Bud to Milwaukee. Then he gets to Grizzlies' job. So we'd stayed in touch just in NBA circles and meeting from the same high school. But I wouldn't say we were, like, super close or anything. But, like, I knew him fairly well. It's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Well, I got one important question. Probably the most important question. Was he any good? Okay. So, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> Tell the dirt. He was I good. He was, all the, he all was the good. But he wasn't, like, the star player. I'll put it that. Taylor, he was the captain of the senior year. I remember he was kind of like your role-playing big man, kind of like a Steven Adams type at the four. So okay. he would, we played like an old-school two-post offense. And me and Taylor both had the same kind of job. It was get the better players the ball. So we'd both catch the ball at the high post, and we'd throw it inside of someone else, usually, or to one of the guards. It was like an old-school Bob Knight motion offense. And then Taylor, I remember he was really good defensively, really smart, really tough. He probably could have played like D3 somewhere. Okay. Same, same as me, actually. 
but by, by that level of player. But we both had really, really good teammates. So his senior year, they lost. They actually lost in the SBC championship game and like overtime. It was crazy. Like they were like this close to winning and they lost. The best player on his team was probably a year below him. He ended up playing. Actually, no, there were two brothers. And one of the brothers played offensive line at Texas. He was Taylor's grade. The other brother was a receiver at North Carolina. He was a grade below Taylor. So those were the main two guys. Taylor kind of set them up a little bit. And then when they graduated, I, I went to the varsity my junior year. It was the same kind of thing. We actually won the SBC my junior year and senior year after Taylor lost his sophomore year. So I had that over him a little bit. <laughs> Well, that's probably how, you know, I guess the reason they have a player like Steven Adams and now Steven Adams is dishing out the rock and he's doing so much from the top post because that's who Taylor was, right? I would say so. Yeah, I would say high post, 15 foot jump shot, move the ball, really smart player. That's probably the the scouting report. All right. We'll make sure if he ever does have to play, if it is coaches against uh, players, we'll go ahead and give him uh, this podcast to help him out. Um, there you go. But uh, he was the Western Conference Coach of the Month for December. Looking back at this now, he is he was there in uh, Atlanta for five years, a year in Milwaukee, all those as an assistant before he came to be the head coach in Memphis. Nobody knew in Memphis wise, from my understanding, nobody really knew anything about Taylor Jenkins. Do you think now being in his third year and he's had Decent records. It was the big play and win against Golden State last year. Now the Grizzlies, as of recording this, are 30 and 14. How well do you think he's known now nationally? Because we know him obviously in Memphis, but I couldn't guess some of the coaches that are in the league because there's so much turnover and they're younger. And Taylor's only 37. So do you think he's known now? And do you think it just continuously keeps growing? I'm probably not. I don't think until you go to the playoffs. When you go to the playoffs, Especially when you win in the playoffs. That's when, as a coach, especially, people are going to start knowing who you are. I mean, Memphis, smaller market, not on national TV a ton before this year. You know, they were always in that eight, nine range. So he's people, I think, people who follow the league closely for sure know who he is. But like your average fan, no. But I think that's coming. I guess the good background for Taylor, I think, in terms of how he's been so good, number one, this guy's really sharp. Yeah. I always joke with him, like the people we knew, they're all working on Wall Street now. Like that's wow. the kind of that's the kind of, he, and he went to an Ivy League school, he went to Penn. Yeah. So like this guy's as sharp as it gets. He's got that, and he's got a very, he's very, very good, like personally. He's very he's not, I wouldn't say he's charismatic, but he's very confident. He carries himself really well. He's not gonna take anyone's nonsense. So like that, those combination of skills plus really hard worker and then just good guy all around. I would say when you look at all those skills in, in together, that's why he's been so successful. But ultimately, I, I think he would admit as well, you're successful because you got good players. Right. He's got a lot of good players. And that's why when he got the job, I was so excited for him. I said, you know, when you're a coach, it's all about finding the job, right? I was like, yeah. this is a job for a coach. You want to get this one. He's got a good right. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's just in those three years, he's done so much with this team. And uh, my, my co-host on this show, Ryan, uh, he said that a lot of times that what these teams will do is you'll get the coach that will grow with the team, 
and that they get to a certain level, they're kind of plateau and they'll have to get a new coach. Well, this whole time I've said that I do believe that, but I also believe that a coach like Taylor Jenkins can be a guy who can jump over that plateau and continue to grow with the team just because they're very different. Uh, what does, I guess, what does this team look like? The Grizzlies as a whole look like outside of Memphis. They, they're a good group of guys. They seem to have a lot of fun. Does that mean a whole lot in basketball? By itself, no, but they have talent. That's, yeah. That means a whole lot. Like they're yeah. very talented. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're widely seen as a team on the rise. They've been seen that way for a while. Pretty much once they put Ja and Jaron together, everyone kind of like, okay, this will be a team to watch for. Both those guys have gotten better. Jaron's gotten healthier. And now they seem to be making the leap in front of our eyes, which is always the coolest thing in the NBA is to see it happen, and we're seeing it happen. And I think, yeah, I mean, I was telling you before the show started, they're probably the story of the league right now in terms of the regular season. I mean, I guess Golden State, but, like, they're the team that's risen the most this year of anyone. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, before I get into all the Grizzly stuff, I want to kind of just, I guess, wrap it up on uh, Taylor. Um, so I think he's being now in talks of being a coach of the year just because the Grizzlies shouldn't have been here. And I know a lot of it goes to the players because they're, you know, really they're working their butts off. But even when Taylor is in COVID protocols, the team is still winning. Some people take, you know, back of, hey, that's, you know, that means that the coach isn't as important. But I actually look at that differently because I view the coach as the CEO and how well he kind of helps his assistant coaches be better, but as well as people that never play. So do you think with all that combined, do you think that he has a real chance of winning coach of the year? And if so, you know, why? I would say for one, I mean, obviously you win in a big individual award. It's nice that just reflect on you. It reflects on your whole organization. So that's good. Everyone wants, who doesn't like winning awards, right? right? But I think coaches recognize, you look at that list of coach of the year winners, a lot of them guys end up getting fired pretty soon after. So it's not like, it don't necessarily mean anything in the long run. I think what Taylor's proven so far is he can build a culture. And this goes back to what you're saying about sometimes a coach takes you a certain point and somebody else comes in. Well, Taylor's proven he can build a culture and win the regular season. We'll see how it goes in the playoffs. It's very different. What usually happens at that point is now the skill set in the playoffs is totally different as a coach. It becomes, can you make the right matchups? Can you make them fast? You look at like someone like Teron Lou is a great example. Mm -hmm. I mean, that guy's playing chess out there. Yeah. And He's taken a lot of teams pretty far in the playoffs. I mean, he had the players too, but you've got to be able to play chess. Can Taylor play chess? We have to see it first. I mean, I think he's had obviously a great mentorship with Mike Buttonholzer, all the pedigree, but we still got to see it. And that's a whole different challenge than coaching regular season basketball. Big yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And he's grown so much as a coach over this past, you know, just honestly two and a half seasons in all on, uh, with that because – he used to be the guy who would never uh, challenge a play, and now he's kind of growing with that. But you can also see the players and how well they get along, but also how well he's respected. So that's a big thing uh, in my eyes. But one thing I want to uh, kind of just get to you is what's going on with you. I know you have a lot that you've been writing about 
you're always doing, you know, podcasts and everything. So give the people one, how to follow you, but then what you're doing so we can make sure we all follow along. Yeah. So, uh, I'm on Twitter, my name, Jonathan Sharks. I don't really tweet much, but I post all my stuff on there. I try to write something you know, once a week, every other week, depending on the schedule. We just launched a new pod, me and Kyle Mann. He's actually from uh, Louisville. How close is that to me? Is that like the same part of the like, – Yeah, we all tied with Louisville? That's a basketball city, right? It's like Memphis. It, it is. We, we touch city. Kentucky. So, yes, we're, we're friends. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, me and Kyle, we do a pod every Tuesday on the Ringer NBA show, show called Upside High. We talk a lot about the younger players – and then the next year's draft. So talk a lot of Grizzlies. We're actually going to be talking a lot of Grizzlies on Tuesday, talking about Ja. Probably a lot of the same stuff we'll be talking about in this pod, actually, but whatever. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, uh, we'll release this. Uh, if you're hearing this, we're releasing on Monday. So if you hear this, uh, it's okay to tune in Tuesday. It's no big deal. <laughs> uh, what's the name of the podcast? One more time. Upside high. And it's on the ringer NBA show feed. So the NBA show feed, they put out shows every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or the show that comes out Tuesday. Yep. Uh, So, yep. So thank you for that. Uh, If you're hearing this, if you're used to our, the leads podcast network, just like our normal NBA show launches on Mondays, there's the same stuff. So they're going to be out every Tuesday. So just, just subscribe to the Ringer NBA show. Easy enough. You get more than just the Tuesday show, which is right. It's, it's good. So there you go. I love it. I love it. That's great. Yep. That's where Verno came from. Yep. That's, yes. I mean, Verno's still around, obviously. Yep. Verno's, uh, he's a legend here in Memphis. Him and uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor, Kevin O'Bomber. Uh, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. The mismatch is good. But yeah, check out, uh, check out the Tuesday show with Jonathan Sharks. But we have uh, just a couple more questions, and I want to ask these about the Grizzlies. So we talked about uh, a little bit about pretty much them, I guess, not really getting to the playoffs yet. They don't have the notoriety. They don't have the big national games. But what's really going to change for this team? Do you think that this team takes off nationally next year and the years to come because of the success this year? Or do they still need to have a good playoff run to get the national? It's all about the playoffs. Okay. NBA, I would say play, NBA is a playoff-driven sport more than maybe any other. Like, you win in the playoffs, you build your name. If you lose in the first round, it's fine. But you start to take off and you start winning. When you start stacking playoff series, that's when fans take, seri- take you seriously, when the league takes you seriously. Until then, you're a good story. When you start stacking playoff series, you're a legit team. Okay. Well, I got a question. Are the Grizzlies, I know they're hot right now. I know they're playing well. Are they real title contenders? I, I would not say that, no. That's um, ambitious. I would say that's very, very ambitious thing to say. Let's, let's win a playoff series first before we start talking about contending for a title. All right, so I, that was a test because in Memphis, we 100% believe we are not title contenders, okay? This is a great – this is the high, the peak of the season – and so we know that even if they were to get bounced in the first, the first round, that the team is still – it's a good story. They're still in the right direction. It's okay. There's no reason to panic. Yeah. This is a uh, house money year. Plan. Exactly. Next year, the expectations will begin. This year is a house money year for sure. So where do you see this team in a, a couple years? Do you, what do they really need to do to change to be the title contenders that we all want them to be? 
It's a good question. Um, I think it will ultimately come down to Jaron Jackson. I wrote about this for the ringer and I guess it was like November, like the first two weeks of the season. And I was like, Jaws made the leap to stardom, but to really be a contender, you need two stars, especially in the front court. Because like, okay, if Memphis is going to win a title, right, you're going to have to go through Phoenix got the Andre Ayton, Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green, right? Like LA Lakers, Anthony Davis. Like these are the guys you're going to have to be in the playoffs. You get to the finals, guess what? Memphis want to win the finals. You're going to have to beat probably Giannis, right. maybe Kevin Durant. Those are the, you need Jaron Jackson basically to get to that level. I don't know like how, I think Jaron's all the potential in the world. And I think as Jaron gets better, the Grizzlies gets better. And how far they go will depend how much he rises. Yeah. Well, and honestly, this year has been, you know, a, a different season than he's had in the past because last year he didn't play hardly any at all. And this year yeah. he started off very slow, but he seems to be growing into his NBA body. And what we've seen as of late with Steven Adams and health and safety protocols, he's actually had to play the five. And so do you think that's the direction the Grizzlies need to go to have him at the five? Or do you think he's okay at the four for them to reach their maximum potential? I think the five, I think the Adams is like the guy you have to buy time in the regular season, but you got to, when the, when the going gets tough, you're going to have to downsize Jaron at the five. I mean, the last four games, the numbers are crazy. The numbers when he's at the five is just like, they're absolutely destroying teams. Yeah. Cause now all of a sudden the floor is totally spaced. You're so fast. The number I was looking at when Adams or Tillman are in, they play so much slower. Those are like the two lowest paced players in their team because they're, you know, they're big, burly fives. Right. When Jaron's at the five, they can go. And when Jaw's your best player, you want to go, right? Like yeah. that's the best version of this team is them running and gunning. That's Jaron at the five, Jaw with the ball in his hands. Cool. Last question. What position do the Grizzlies finish up regular season? Let's not talk playoffs. Where do they end up this year? Uh, they're currently in third place as of this recording. So where do you think they end up? Uh, and do you think they can win their first round matchup? Interesting question. Um, I would assume, you know, when you, Utah's dropped a few games, because they've had a lot of guys in COVID, but as they get healthier, they're always a great regular season team. Golden State has risen back again. Phoenix is great as ever. I would expect Memphis probably the four seed. They seem to have separated from the rest of the pack in the West. Um, and then if you're the four seed, you're looking at most likely Dallas, Denver, or LA. And they're both, they're all different challenges. Yeah. I think if I was Memphis, I'd not want to see LeBron James in a playoff series. I think people are riding the Lakers off a little too easily because of Westbrook and all the stuff this year. But end of the day, LeBron is putting up the same numbers he always puts up. Like, I love Jaron, but he has to guard LeBron as a center. It might be tough for him. I think Denver is so depleted this year with injuries. The Mavs are a weird team. I'd love to see a Mavs-Grizzlies series. It'd be fascinating. I think they could win a series, just depending on the matchup. Yeah, I agree with that. What, uh, what matchup do you like best out of those three if you had to pick one? Because I have my favorite, but I don't. I think Denver's getting healthy, and that's scary because if Porter comes back healthy and plays like he he's has not, that, I don't think he's going to come back. I mean, he's out for the season, basically. Got a, got a back surgery. 
He's done. The, but they just announced he's not out for the season. He could come oh, back. Oh, really? Yeah. I really highly doubt that, but that would be big, obviously. And then Jamal They're saying Murray. they haven't ruled him out. Yeah. Murray's the bigger question. Is then Murray usually – because he tore his ACL, I think, last April. The question is, does he need a year to get healthy again? A lot of times ACL, it's year two. Yeah. I think if the Nuggets are fully healthy, they're probably the best team of that bunch. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. It just depends on injuries and health. I would yeah. say for now, I'll just say the Nuggets, but it's a long season. I mean, the, the Grizzlies know Jaron tore his knee, what, two years ago now. You never know how these things turn out. Injuries play the biggest role for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's no right question or wrong, you know, right? So I do think that the Grizzlies uh, match up well if they're in the four spot because you don't want to play Golden State. But I like them better if they were to win a series to go against a Golden State the second round of the playoffs compared to even, you know, honestly, Utah, who they never played well against, and also Phoenix, who they don't match up well against. So who knows? But this, this season's crazy. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Uh, I'm, I'm hopefully everybody's excited that they heard this podcast and heard you, and they're going to follow along from now on with you. So anything else you have for us, Mr. Sharks? No, all good. Thanks for having me on. That was fun. For, for sure, man. Thank you. Thanks again to Jonathan for joining us. It was a lot of fun, and we had a good time just discussing a little bit about him guarding uh, Taylor Jenkins. And it was funny that I was able to get back and kind of compare it to Steven Adams and really who Taylor Jenkins was as a player. He was Steven Adams, and it all makes sense now, but... I hope that's something that you really kind of took from there. Just something small that you enjoyed in listening from him. Uh, Jonathan is battling uh, cancer, uh, and so it's kind of coming in, coming and going. And I know he's kind of down right now, and he's going back and battling uh, with chemo. And so I want to just give him a, a lot of thoughts of prayers going out to him. But also, he's got it. He's got it. He's going to beat it. We don't worry about that because uh, Mr. Sharks is strong. So shout out to him and also uh, his family who is going through it with him together. But today, it's a great day. And we're about to pick up a win against the Bulls. And it's going to be glorious. Absolutely glorious. And I cannot wait for this game to get started. I'm like a kid on Christmas. Just waiting for all the basketball to get started. And then you end the night with a beautiful, beautiful football game, a playoff game on Monday night. But let's go ahead and get out of here for the day so everybody can enjoy their beautiful Monday. And what day is better than being off? Off on a Monday might be the best holiday. But I have one quote for you before we get out of here for Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. A beautiful quote, and especially now, today's times, we just need to love each other. And so with that, be nice and tell your friends.